myself powered up here. But no, it is always so good to come back to this area. Um, not only do we love Jim and Jill, but there are many of you that are represented here that we, we know and love and follow you on Facebook from afar. And it's always really good when you come up and surprise and say, hey. So love it, love it, love it. But I do want to just quickly, before I get going, and as I get going, want to recap just kind of who I am and how I got to and my family got to where we're at. Because it's a, it's a pretty extensive story. Some of you guys have heard it more in length, and I'm just going to shortly recap. So I grew up in Iowa, in small town southeast Iowa, a little town called Washington. My parents actually met at Central Bible College, so I grew up AG. I have it pumping through my blood. I was actually born down in Springfield, Missouri at Central Bible College. <laughs> and uh, so I've always been a part of this culture. Eight years old is my first opportunity to go to kids camp. That's when I, I really claimed my salvation for myself. It wasn't just, you know, the prayer that you pray, but that's when I had that God moment and I like, okay, yeah, I'm taking ownership of this. That was at eight years old. That same year, my sister, my older sister, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like, again, grew up AG, totally knew about it, but it's like, man, I gotta go get some of that. So I went back to kids' camp as a nine-year-old, expecting to get filled with the Holy Spirit, got filled with the Holy Spirit. The very next night was a missions message. Ultra call was given. I found myself a spot, started praying, heard a voice talking to me, looked up, expecting my counselor to have come and sat next to me. There was nobody there. Closed my eyes again, heard the voice of God speak into my heart, call me to missions, saw myself in, in Africa. And from the time I was nine years old, I knew I was going to be a missionary to Africa. So take off. That's, that's always where my mind has been. Get to college. I go to Central Bible College, obvious choice. And uh, although it's sad, it's no longer existent. It shut down. It, it all enveloped into evangel and everything. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Sorry. But anyway, go to Central Bible College. My four-year Bachelor of Arts degree is in missions, expecting, of course, I'm going to go into missions. I'm going to be a missionary to Africa. So then I had these other expectations because in the Assemblies of God, back when I was nine years old, missions was completely different from what it is now. It's evolved quite a bit. But back then, you, they, weren't, they wouldn't send single guys. The Assemblies of God didn't send single guys. They'd send a single lady, but not a single guy. So I knew I had to get married. Also, I knew I had to go to college, get a four-year degree. Then I was going to have to senior pastor for two years so that I could become ordained, because then they were only sending ordained ministers over. And then I would head over to Africa, and I would plant churches. And that was, that's typically what missionaries did. So that was my game plan. I hit college, got my four-year degree. I did an internship to Guam. I did, an, I did another internship out here um, with my uncle Dan Lund at, at Poland New Life. And during both those internships, the children's pastor resigned. And I kind of took over a bunch of the children's pastor, children's ministry responsibilities. And I've always loved working with kids. I've always done it. I taught myself to juggle working in the nursery with my mom when I was a kid. And, uh, but after that second one here in Youngstown, after that internship, I felt the voice of God speaking to me again. 
saying, I want you to do children's ministry. Uh, as a missionary in Africa, that was like, whoa, whoa, wait, I, I'm already geared up and going here. So I had to kind of change some things around. I was getting married at the end of that summer. And so I'm like, uh, Jen, this is kind of where I'm thinking I'm heading right now. I think we need to do children's ministry, figure, figure it out, and then we'll head into missions. And so I, we did that. We got married. We committed 10 years to children's ministry, ended up five and a half years here, five and a half years over in Dayton, Ohio, and hit that 10-year mark, and like, okay, let's, let's do this. Let, we're, we're ready. Let's, let's start the process. The process took another year of just like filling out forms and interviews, and they interview, and they interview, and like, it's, it's insane. There's a huge process within the Assemblies of God to, to become a missionary, and so that took about an entire year, and then we get the approval, so then it's another year, year to 18 months that you travel around trying to raise your budget to go as a missionary. And so finally, how old was I then? So that, I, that was from nine years old to, I think I was like 33 at that point, 33, 30, yeah, 34 maybe, maybe 34, I know, right? So it was somewhere in there, 33, 34 years. And finally, our budget's raised. We get approval. We get on that plane. We package all of our stuff up. We, get, we take off. We land. We, we, all of our luggage is there. We get off the plane. And we're still not in Africa because i got to spend another year in France learning another language, learning how to speak French. Because in Senegal, they don't speak English. You find a handful of people that know English, and then it's pretty broken English. So it, it's all your communication is in another language. So that was pretty important. So we spend that time there, and finally we finish that year off. Oh my word, that was a hard year. I'll come back to that. And you get on the plane again, you pack everything up, you take off, and you land again. And finally, that moment has arrived. That real moment where you step off that plane onto the tarmac and you're like crud it is hot here <laughs> you landed right in the middle of rainy season which is the hottest time of the year because the humidity level and the dew point like spikes up around 80 90 percent and it is just so hot like unbelievably hot but you're there and you load all your stuff up onto a vehicle, and, and the, the other missionaries on the field, they help ship you out to your house in another village that's a couple hours away, and they unload your stuff and drop you off, and then they go back to their lives, and you're just there. <laughs> and, and, and the house you're staying in isn't your permanent house. You still have to find a house. It's just kind of a temporary house. And it's right in the middle of rainy season, and you're, every time it rains, your roads flood, and there's, you're living in a newer area where, I say newer, but it, like, there's no infrastructure. Like, they're building houses, but it's still all sand roads, and, you know, Senegal is sub-Saharan, and it's a lot of desert, a lot of sand. And uh, it floods, and there's nowhere to go, and trying to get out and find your way around town and communicate, oh, my word, Communication is so difficult, so, so difficult. But that, that is 25 years of preparation from the time I was nine years old and I was called 
all the way through, 25 years I have already invested into this thing. I know God called me. I heard his voice. You know, it was, it was confirmed through my, my mom. You can ask me about that later. So I, I have known beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has called me. I had no idea how hard it would be. And I implore you. This is your missionary wall, right? Is that your missionary wall? Take those prayer cards and pray for your missionaries. They desperately need it. And I don't want to negate what you guys experience. I'm not, I'm not here to do that. Because life in general is super hard. But your missionaries a lot of times, and, and, and I'm, we, we've got a, a, a member of your congregation here that has an idea of what it's like to move from your culture, everything you know, to a new culture. And it's tough. It's incredibly hard. You're isolated. You start out and you're isolated. And for us, we, we took that year of France or French in France, but you get off that plane and like everything you try to say, like you just don't even have the vocabulary. Even if you know the grammar and how to make a sentence, like everything you try to do, like is you just bump up against a wall and it is hard. And when we talk about the, the behind the prayer card, this is going to be a little glimpse, just a small glimpse of what your missionaries go through. And this morning as I, as I talk, I want you to hear my heart, and I do want you to hear the difficulty, but I don't want you to hear it as bitterness, because as tough as it was, I'm not bitter. I am excited to go back. And my girls are excited to go back. But I want you to understand. I want to give you a glimpse. A lot of times I think when missionaries come, we do have to raise money. <laughs> That's the truth of the matter. And so you can't always share what you really experience. And even in this day of social media, it's unfortunate that as missionaries, a lot of times we have to glaze over or hide what's really happening in our lives. And that's, that's natural here stateside too. You know, we don't put all our dirty laundry out there. That's just not what you do. But I want you to hear a heart of a missionary so that you do know better how to pray. When you look at that prayer card, it's not just, oh, that, that's an incredible family. A lot of times as we travel around, and even prior to going into mission, missionaries are often touted as heroes. And it's not that we're heroes. Because our, our lives, I mean, in perspective, your lives are just as hard as ours. But we need you. You guys have this incredible church body that doesn't exist just inside this building, but it goes and extends out, and it's all over. And oftentimes, missionaries are isolated, and they don't have that. 
And even when they do have that, they can't communicate it. And it takes years and years to build and develop those relationships and develop that language skill. And it's difficult. So that's my journey so far. I kind of pulled you up here. In college, studying missions, I studied culture. I studied cultural anthropology, learning how to basically look into another culture, another society, and be able to fit in, how to view that culture, how to view that society, and see how they interact and work together. You learn those skills, you learn those abilities. As a children's pastor and, and as part of college, I learned how to put a message together. I've learned how to put a kid's lesson together. I've invested lots and lots of time in understanding all the dynamics of what it would mean to go and live cross-culturally and to minister and to be beneficial. But you're still never fully prepared. It blew my mind when I landed in France how difficult France was going to be. And, and I, I'm not talking about like our American... Uh, what is the word for that? I blank. Sometimes I blank on words now. Um, uh, our view. Our view of them. Because we, we can oftentimes view French as being gruff, not real friendly with Americans, not having a lot of patience. And I, I'll say, honestly, I had a tremendous experience with the French. They were great people. I have some really good friends in France, some really good French friends right now because of getting into their community and, and joining their clubs and getting to know them and going over to their house and hanging out with them. I have, a, I have great friends. I had a great experience. What was hard was how much they loved stamps and signatures and checks. And just in those things alone, I had no idea that culture shock was going to hit me so hard. In fact, I faced it probably harder there uh, than I did when I arrived in, in Senegal, Africa. And part of the reason is because Senegal was a French colony up till the 60s. And so a lot of their government bureaucracy stuff is French. And so when I landed, it's like, Africa, it's, it's not wrong. It's not messed up. It's not backwards. The, the French messed it up. It's the French system. So it's like, there I'd already experienced it for a year, so I kind of already knew how to work the system a little better. But France was tough in that regard, and you didn't expect it. The other thing I didn't expect about, Fran about living in Fran France was my girls going to the French public system and having the teacher berate them and call them stupid and dumb from the front of the classroom. Wow, that was tough. That was really hard on me and, and especially on Jenna Lee. Your kids come back crying, not because they didn't have friends. They made good friendships there, but because the teachers would just so mean and belittle them. That was hard. Going 
to Senegal and landing in Senegal thinking, okay, I've got language. I've, I've got some cultural context now. I've, you know, I've, and, and on top of my 25 years of preparation, I, I'm here, I'm ready. And I'm not, I wasn't, I'm not naive. I, I wasn't naive. I knew it was going to take time. You know, we had a three-year term. Our first year as AG missionaries, they send you out as a three-year term. We knew the first year was going to be language school, and it was going to be intense, eight hours a day, every day, just bam, 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 learning French grammar and French. Oh, that was exhausting. And I knew landing in Senegal that two years primarily was going to be learning culture, continuing to learn language, and, and just building relationships. I mean, can you imagine a Senegalese man coming over, barely speaking any English, coming to the U.S. church and saying, okay, I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to teach you how to do children's ministry. We would laugh him off. Unfortunately, we're not that accepting. And I knew I would face that. I knew... I was going to have to build some relationships to be able to share what I was there to share with them. I knew I didn't have all the answers. I knew I was going to have to learn their culture and learn, you know, the dynamics of of the national church there and, and how they're doing things and why they do things and all of that. But man, was it hard. You land, and we know French. We know some French. But still communicating, because now it's even, even though it's French, you know, they're, they're speaking with their own dialect understanding, and, 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 oh, what's that called when you, you speak, like Louisiana, they speak a different, what is it? Accent, that's the one I'm looking for. It's a different accent. So even like trying to pick up and hear them, like I'm, I'm, I'm a year in France, but I was still struggling to understand the French people speaking French. Now I'm listening to a different kind of French, a different accent. And, and oh man, it was just so hard. And on top of that, not only would I struggle just speaking and communicating the language, but you go into those, those villages and our, our national church is made up primarily of the Serer people group. And you go into those villages, and they don't have the education. The French language, the French education, comes when you put your kids in school. And out in those rural villages, they don't always have the opportunity to do that. So you go out there, the kids aren't speaking French. They, they know very little French. And even the adults... Even the adults, a lot of them may not even know it. They may have never learned French. And so you go into this, this new little dynamic, and you can't even communicate. And I knew, like, you have to push yourself to go out there into all these villages, meet with the pastors, meet with the chief, meet with the, the, the people of that village and invest time, because their culture is very people-oriented, very time-driven. Here in the States, we, are, we can very easily go up, meet somebody, shake their hands, get into a quick conversation, find out who you are, and you're friends. 
And I understand that's kind of a superficial friendship, but it can be that easy. But they're like, you have to invest time. And I would spend entire days out in that village sweating, 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 and not communicating a single word. And they're just talking in Serer. I can't speak it. They can't speak French. So you just sit there. You smile. And, and in their culture, a tie tea, I have a tea set back there, is hugely important. They're, they're a culture of Taringa, um, which is their word for hospitality. That's huge. If somebody comes to your house, you always offer them a drink. Anybody that comes to our house, first thing you do is offer them a cold drink. That's, that's huge. And in the middle of the afternoon, they take about a two-hour siesta. It's, it's just hot. It's hot, so they, they take a siesta, but then they drink hot tea. But their tea, they do it in three rounds. You drink three little shots of, of this hot green tea, and it takes them two hours. It's, a, it's about a two-hour process, and that's, that's almost like if they're like speeding through it. Because they use the same tea leaves, and they brew it three times. So it goes from really, really strong to pretty decent to pretty good and sweet. And they add sugar to all three rounds. Um, and it's good. I love all three rounds, but I'm a tea and coffee guy. But it's a two-hour experience. And any time I have any intention of going out into the village or going and saying hello to a pastor, I know I'm at least at a two-hour investment in time. Every time. But my first year, every time I went, it was, it was probably a five-hour day that you would spend out in the village every time, building relationship, not really communicating a whole lot verbally, doing your best. You try to have interactions, but just spending time with them was hugely important. And I, and I did. I, I loved it, but it was an investment. Because not only would you go for that two-hour attire, but in that two hours, while you're having attire, the wife starts preparing the meal. And they eat lunch about two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. So then you know, if I have this two hours invested in attire, I'm going to have another one or two hours invested in dinner because she just spent ton of money on this meal going above and beyond because they have a guest, a special guest at their house. And so you can't just leave. You've got to invest more time. And that's hard. That's really hard. And it's even, it's even more difficult for, for my kids when I take them out on a Sunday morning and we go out and I preach and it's a four-hour service. And my kids are a lot of times trapped in a little hot box brick. It's, they're usually brick structures. And it's maybe an eight-by-eight eight little room. And they've got all the kids packed in there. There's sometimes windows, sometimes not. But even if there's windows, there's not always a lot of times a breeze. A lot of times it's a tin roof. So the sun's just baking it. And they're 
they're in there for four hours while service happens, just roasting and baking. And that, that drains a person. You come out of that four-hour service, and you are seriously drained, like, because you, you sweated everything out, and you're just exhausted. And you've got to prepare yourself mentally, because two hours of a tie is coming after that, and another two hours of a meal, and saying your, your goodbyes, and then it's the hour drive home. It's a long day. Anybody in here have kids? Anybody in here ever have a hard time getting your kids to go to church? You, you don't have to answer that one. It can be a struggle. It can be a struggle keeping that attitude correctly. Why are we here, Dad? We, we can't even communicate, you know. But you invest the time. And you keep investing the time. And every week, you go and you invest more time. For two years, you keep investing that time. And I started, oh my word, I started, I started preaching. Like, and I tried to, like, you just got to throw yourself in. Like, you, it's, you know, that idea of swimming and you just jump into the deep end. It's like an archaic bad way of learning to swim. But you can do it that way. I know some people who have. And it's that way a lot of times in culture. You just got to throw yourself in, not worry about the mistakes, and just do it. Otherwise, you'll freeze up and you'll never do it. If you keep just saying, oh, I'm going to wait until I'm, I'm at a good spot and I know how to do this and I can speak the language well, you won't do it. And, in, and on top of that, you're not building relationships. You just got to throw yourself in there. And so pretty, pretty soon after we landed, I did my first service. I had another missionary invite me clear up to the north end of of uh, the, the country, and he had a church in the school that he started up there. And so I went to this church, and, and I, I, I cheated because I had my notes from a, a message that I typed up in, in France as like part of the practice, part of the education process. So I, I cheated. I already had that sermon ready. And, and I did it kind of kid style, so I had some object lessons, right? And, and you know, that's another thing. Like building lessons... In our context, with our resources, is completely different than building object lessons and kids' lessons in a culture, in a context that's not our own. It, I used, in that first lesson, I used mud. Like, super universal, right? Everybody understands mud. We're in the middle of the rainy season, for crying out loud. They've got mud everywhere. Like, <laughs> this isn't a new idea. And so I even bring in some sand, dirt, whatever, mixture, and some water. On a tray, I make mud. And I could see they weren't getting it. And the pastor gets up, and this is normal, this is customary, after, after somebody who's not the pastor of that church speaks, the pastor will always get up and just kind of recap. And this is very beginning, very new to Senegal, and still, like, even my listening comprehension, understanding the French language, like, it was a struggle. It was really hard. It was bad. And uh, 
the pastor gets up and he starts recapping. And I, I caught, you know, like every fourth word, though not great, but I knew he like totally missed what I preached. Oh, that is heartbreaking. Oh my word, that just makes you want to just like quit. Like, this isn't going to work. I can't do this. I'm, I'm just going to speak in English. I'll have a translator or whatever kind of thing, you know, whatever. But you don't do that. But even the concept of mud in Senegal, where it is sub-Saharan, they don't have soil, per se. They have sand and they have dust. And they have words for those that are their equivalent of mud. But of course, I used like a French word for mud as we would understand it. Totally missed it. A little later after that, I was doing a kid's lesson and I did it with a flower. Like, who doesn't know what a flower is? Like, anybody can get a flower. There's flowers everywhere. I pull out a flower and I'm talking about this flower and how... You know, around the world, people use flowers as an expression of love. They use them as, you know, when, as, as, a, um, as a way of showing grievance, you know, at a funeral or when somebody's sick in the hospital. You know, I, I'm, I'm like going through all these ways that around the world we use a flower. And again, people are just like looking at me. The kids are looking at me and they're like not getting it. I have like uh, an, an adult kids leader there and they're trying to help me and like I could tell it's like totally missing it's like okay whatever and I had to adjust it I did the lesson again but I adjusted it the next time to how they use a flower because they use them they have flowers they use them and they they have a, a BSAP plan uh, what's the word for that I'll come up with it later ask me later they have a BSAP plant and it's got a flower and it's kind of a waxy red flower and they, they use it, they eat it as part of their meal. They add it to their, their dish, uh, their chebajinja dishes, and they eat the flour. Um, they also steep it and make a, a tea or a juice. Um, they also have bourgundia, and it's kind of a, a vine that's got a lot of thorns on it, and they use it for protection and stuff. And so I use the flour in that way. And like everybody gets it. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, this is what it's supposed to be like, you know. But just, it is crazy. We, Jen talked about the curriculum writing. We went down to South Africa for one week and we're helping to develop curriculum that will work in an African village context. And trying to sit down and write a year's worth of curriculum and come up with tons of ideas, creative ideas. Oh, that was so hard. Like, and I'm a creative guy. I can come up with stuff like pretty easily to the point where my wife's like, settle down, calm down, we're not doing that, you know, kind of a thing. I think Jim can, can verify that, you know, we'd have staff meetings. I'd have all these great ideas and everybody's like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> but I can come up with ideas, but that is so difficult. And I knew it was going to be hard and I knew it, you know, contextually, but I went into it, you know, again, trained and thinking, man, I'm going to be able to do this. It's going to be awesome. And it's so hard. Oh, man. But you know what? Finally, by the end of the two years, I didn't make it up to San Luis, St. Louis, San Luis up in the north where I did my first service. 
I didn't make it back up there until I was about ready to leave again. And I took the missionary that was up there. He's on furlough, so he's back stateside. And uh, he's getting ready to take off again. But I decided right before we left, I'm like, okay, family, we're going to make a big adventure. We're going to go, and we're going to do like this whole four-day weekend and travel way up north, um, up along the Mauritania border. And it's, it can be a little bit iffy up there. So Jen, Jen wasn't real excited about the idea. It was kind of fun. It was kind of fun because we stayed with one pastor way out in the village, and it was so hot out there. Oh, my word. We were, we were roasting. And the pastor and his wife come out, and they lay their bed out, like, outside of our door, like, in, like, a, um, uh, a patio-type setting, and they slept naked, like, outside our door. So it was, okay, just stay in here, girls. Just stay in here. <laughs> it was hot. It was really hot. And so then we made the trip back around and ended up, and one of my last services was back at that first church I'd preached at. So I've been two years in country, three years now of learning and, and speaking French, and, and my French is not, it's not good. It's still not good, but I can communicate, and I can do a lot better. And by the time I got there, I was to the point in my French where I could move away from my notes. And I had understood context better. And I'd built relationships. I'd spent that time and invested that time with the people. So I knew the people better. So my lessons and my, you know, my ideas, my concepts were more things they could understand and grasp than understand, you know. And I preached that, that sermon, that message. I could tell I, could, I was connecting. <laughs> you know, you get those moments where you see their faces brighten up. And you're off notes. You're not, you're not just having to read it, read it, read it, read it. And I'm still working with an interpreter because they're still interpreting it into Wolof up there. But it was good. And at the very end, the pastor again gets up, and he stands before him, and he says, it's so good to have Pastor Jeremy here with us again. And this time, we were able to hear his heart. And he expresses to the people that we're going to be heading back for itineration stateside. And he expresses to the people how difficult that's going to be for us that they need to be praying for us. And to be praying for us that we hang on to the language we've learned and that we praying for us that we do come back so that they can hear my heart again. <laughs> as hard as missions is, those are the moments you're looking for. And I can stand back, and many people can stand back and look at my three years, tens of thousands of dollars invested, and say, what'd you do? Where's the souls you saved? Where's the children's leaders you've taught, you've trained? And I can say, Give me a little bit more time. <laughs> but it's so hard 
And when you find those moments, like I had up in San Luis, it's like God embracing you, saying you can do this. And I know it's hard. And now I know you've invested 28 years into this. But stick with me, Jeremy. We're going to do some great things. And I'm not naive. I know the work will still continue to be hard. But as we left, right before we left, they had their national pastoral meetings. And they shared the vision of training 500 children's workers in five years. I have a goal. I have a task to go back to. My family has a home and friends to go back to. And that's good. Doesn't always make it any easier. And it is hard. It's extremely hard. But I love my God. I love what I do. And I'm so thankful that I have people like you who do support us, who do hold on to those prayer cards, who do follow our journey. A little glimpse behind the prayer card. We're not just going around asking for money as missionaries. We, we made a big prayer card compared to normal people's prayer cards. But they're important to us. One of the coolest things, coming back stateside, we visited a couple of churches, and we started out, they were family churches, so I visited, you know, Pastor Dan Lund up in Cleveland, my uncle, my aunt and uncle, and then I did one, a service at my home church in Iowa, a couple, couple there, uh, I did another one with a really close high school friend, and after those three services, my youngest daughter comes up and says, comes up to my wife, says, Mommy, people really do love us. It's when you're so isolated and pulled away, it's hard to remember. Even when they would try to connect on, on FaceTime with friends back stateside, that connection still wasn't there because lives had moved on. That's so hard. But having those moments when we know that we're cared for, when we know we're loved, is hugely important. Thank you. This the song I picked is um, Life Song. And you know what? Can we go and get Jer Jenna Lee and the girls? Because I want to spend a little bit of time. We want to pray over them, That we want to pray yes. over them. Um, but the Life Song, the, the verse says, Lord, I give my life a living sacrifice to reach a world in need to be your hands and feet. And that's, that's what this family's doing. You know, you got to hear bits and pieces of missionary life, but that's what this family is doing. They are being Christ to the world, and they have sacrificed a lot to do so. Um, so, uh, you know what, before, it's kind of a fast song, so go ahead and just let's bring them in, and let's just pray over them, and then we'll end with this song today. 
Um, and then we're going to just spend some time, you know, talking with them. Um, later tonight, if anybody knows where Saudi lives, and we live right here on Main Street, um, we're going to just do a bonfire with the family that you can just come and, and have some fun and talk to them a little bit more. If you want to come, we live two blocks up the street. Look for all the cars in the, in the driveways. It's 237 or 247. Ours is 237. Saudi's is 247. West Main Street. Um, but we're just going to have a bonfire and just spend some time getting to know these guys. Come on up, girls. And Jenna Lee and Jeremy, come on up. And if you just feel missions-minded and, and uh, you just love missions, um, come on up and pray with them. Come on up and just let's, let's surround them and let's just lay hands on them and let's just show them the love today um, of Jesus. I don't know about everybody in this place today, but... Uh... It was kind of nice to know a little bit before, around behind the card that you said and didn't realize how difficult that would have been, that journey, especially giving up all of that you did here in the States to go. Um, we want to make sure that you feel loved and welcomed and, uh, and that you're empowered to go back to where you're called. And often we can lose that. We can lose the sense of that empowerment and or that need and that calling. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. And, Lord, thank you for sending us this, this family. Lord, we've known them for a long time, and you've done us such a wonderful work in them. And, Lord, to leave everything in these states and go to a different country to learn a language and now have to go back and learn another language to connect to a village or more. These people need Jesus. And, Lord, they're desperate and they're lifting their eyes, thinking, what is life about? And Lord, they have the answer. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that they are empowered. You said in the, your, your word that there's an empowerment that's given in the laying of hands. You say that to Timothy, do not forsake the gifts that are given to you by the laying of hands. And Father, we know that there's something that's empowered that's given to us from above. And Lord, you choose to do it through the people that love them, and, Lord, that will lay hands upon them and pray. And, Father, I pray right now the empowerment that they need, every source they need, every financial need, every prayer lift, prayers are lifted up. Father, what they need in life would be given to them as they're here for this year. I pray, Father, their heart would always be fond to their place they're going to, that the calling would be clear and crisp in their minds and hearts. And, Lord, as they go back, they have new zeal. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for Jenna Lee and Jeremy. We thank you, Lord, for them to come here. Lord, it was an honor to be able to help them in any way we can. And even through those years that they started, Lord, as we prayed for them. But, Lord, today I pray for a new season, a new chapter. In Jesus' name. As they go back, as they gather their dog and their family back to their house again, I pray, Father, a new chapter in the lives of those people. I pray, Father, for love that goes so deep that the message of Christ would be communicated at that level, spirit level, that, Lord, more people get saved and on fire for Jesus, that village be turned upside down, and synagogue would never be the same. Yes. Lord, those children in the churches, yes. they would learn the new way, that they would learn young. Can you imagine, Father, with your knowledge in those children, 
what they've become when they become older. What would the church be like in 10 years? What would this church be like in, in 50 years with this investment? So, Father, thank you for these investors. And thank you, Lord, that you're sending them. And thank you, Lord, for bringing to us today that we'd have insight to what they're about. Your beautiful Lord and Savior. And, Father, whatever you want to give them today, may they receive in Jesus' name.